doing? Everyone okay? Hello, hello. Um, so today, waiting for my slide to come up. Okay, today I'm going to be speaking about the, the Word of God. And we're going to start off by doing a short survey. Um, so if you go to slido.com, which is over there, and then if you enter the code um, home and press join, you should. Yeah, try capitals, yeah. You in? Is anybody else in? Struggling? No? So do you want to just give me a wave if you're if you're in? If you're, give me a shout if you're struggling, still trying. No. Okay. So can you all see the first question? The first question's. Ah. Okay. Ah. There's a question. So how often do you read your Bible? Daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, two to three times a week. Um, how many people are here? One, two, three, four. Okay, so there's about 29 of us, so we'll just wait for the last eight. Okay, we'll keep going. So that actually looks quite, quite good. Um, Bible Society did a survey, um, and they asked the same question. They asked over the past year, how often do you read, the Bi read listen, or engage with the Bible? And their results were 9% um, said daily. Um, so just in our small group here, we're doing better than that. Um, 13% said a few times a week, so say that's about two to four times a week, so we're beating that as well. 13% um, said about once a week, weekly, we're on 24%, and then about 13% said yearly, and we've got nobody there. So I think we're doing, we're not, we're doing good. Do you want to give ourselves a bit of a clap? <laughs> so we're doing better than what this survey said anyway. Um, Let's move on to question number two. When do you speak, when do you ask God to speak to you? And for this one, you basically write what, you, what, what your answer is. There's no multiple choice, just... Uh, um, when as in, yeah, every day when you're making decisions, what situations, you know etc, etc.
we've got some, some pretty interesting answers. When I've done something dumb and need help, um, when I need an answer, when I'm praying for someone all the time, during difficult times, almost all the time, all the time to be honest, moral conflict. Um, so the answer I was looking for, which, which has come up a few times, which I'm quite happy about, is, is all the time. Um, so one of the first things we learn when we, when we read the Bible is that God does things by speaking. So do you want to turn to Genesis chapter 1? So in verse 1 we read, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless uh, and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. And it was so. And God said, um, Let the water under the sky be gathered unto one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And so on and so on. You get the picture. God was speaking and things were happening. He was speaking things into action. So I like to call these action words. Um, the words themselves produce an action. You know, we read in Hebrews uh, 11 verse 3, it says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, by God speaking, so that the things that were, uh, so that what is seen was made out of what was not visible. So God was speaking things into existence. And this is like the whole universe. So, Corey, how, how big is our universe and how many galaxies and planets do we Billions and billions and billions of galaxies were created at the voice, at the speaking of God's words. So we know that God's words are extremely powerful and God's words produce action. But as we carry on reading, we see something different in verse 28. So it's chapter 1, verse 28. And it says, God blessed them. This is talking about Adam and Eve here. And said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God had a purpose that he wanted to achieve, um, which was for this whole earth to be his kingdom, you know. He wanted the whole earth to be filled with his glory and his kingdom and his rule. But God didn't just speak it into action the way he spoke uh, in the earlier bits we looked at, you know, when God was speaking stars into existence and this and that. Um, what God did differently here is that he, he decided to speak to Adam and Eve. He spoke to humanity. And instead of God's words being the action, the word and the action, he spoke to us so that God's word would be the word and that we would be the action. So Adam and Eve had a part to play. Um, <coughs> in everything that God was doing. So before this, we read God's word being the word uh, and the action, but then after this, we read God's word being the word and Adam and Eve being the action, or part of the action, because God was still involved in everything that was going on, but um, the fulfillment of the purpose of what God was trying to achieve became dependent on Adam and Eve. So without their actions, you know, this word would have just stayed here. And we see God's, God's pattern of speaking to people throughout the Bible. You know, we read the story of Noah and he had to build an ark. You know, God didn't just say, 
ark appear and that the ark appeared. God didn't, uh, Noah had to be involved. You know, God spoke and Noah had to take up an action on himself to build the ark, to bring God's, God's purpose to fulfillment. And with Moses as well, building the tabernacle, God didn't just say tabernacle appear. Um, you know, God spoke a word and it needed our involvement to do something. So it's really important that we're able to recognize the difference between these two kinds of ways of speaking. Um, so sometimes we can find ourselves looking around at the world and think, oh, no, everything's going wrong. Look at, look at all the things that are wrong with the world. Uh, and we find ourselves saying to God, you know, God, why don't you just do something? Why is, you, you know, look at, look at the world. Everything's going wrong. Everything's going wrong in my life. Why don't you just do something? Uh, and we look at God and expect him. Essentially what we're saying is, God, why don't you just speak the way you spoke when creating the universe, you know, speak and everything happen. Um, but God, is like, God would say to us, is like, like sometimes... When we're asking God, that God, why don't you do something? He's saying, I've already done something. I've spoken. <laughs> but I'm waiting for you to act. And the thing that God is trying, that, that you, you're looking at God saying, you want God to do this. Um, you're looking, you're waiting for him to speak and do it. And he's like, well, I've spoken. I'm waiting for you to do it. And if you don't do it, he's just going to stay here again. God's word will stay here. Um, so we need, we need to recognize um, God has chosen to do business with us by speaking to us. So we need to be people who are continually seeking to hear God's word and to be willing to become the action of God's words so that God's purposes would be fulfilled. And I'm sure we can all agree that this is what we want to be like. We want to be people who are, you know, listening to God and hearing what he has to say and then we're acting upon what he wants to say. So I want to just look at a few things that prevent us um, from being like that. So um, let's look at some examples from the Bible. If we go to 1 Timothy 20, uh, 2, verse 14, and if we also go to 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. 1 <laughs> uh, Timothy 2, 14, and 2 Corinthians 11, 3. So in 1 Timothy um, 2.14, we read that um, Paul says, And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. And in Corinthians, um, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, we read Paul say, um, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds uh, may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So we, create, we clearly read, particularly from the passage in Timothy, that Eve was deceived by the devil, but Adam was not deceived. So the question is, what led Eve to being deceived? If we go back to Genesis, and if we go to chapter 2, verse 16, and verse 17... We read God say, and, and the Lord commanded, to the, commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat 
of it, you will surely die. And then if we go down to chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 1, we read, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. If we just zone into verse 3, um, we see Eve's response to, to the serpent. She said, you must not, um, she said, God said you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. Now, to me, when I, when I read this, I notice a lack of precision in her response. So, you know, when we read earlier, we, um, God told them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in the middle of the garden. And the tree of life was also in the middle of the garden. And her response back to the serpent was, I'm not allowed to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. So I asked the question, which tree are you talking about? Because there's two trees in the middle of the garden. So there was a lack of precision in her response. And in addition to that, <coughs> in addition to vaguely saying the tree in the middle of the garden, um, she also said, uh, and God said, you must not touch it. Now, we don't actually hear God say that anywhere. You know, um, before they sinned, he said, do not eat from it, do not eat from the tree. And after they sinned, when God pronounced the curse, he didn't, he didn't tell them off at any point for touching it. He told them off for eating it. And now it's a good thing, you know, if you're, if you're trying to avoid doing something in life, um, you know, sometimes we might set ourselves a barrier higher than the thing that we're actually trying to do to avoid us from getting there. Like, for example, you know, if you don't want to get drunk, you might say, I'm never going to have a sip of alcohol because if I don't have a sip, there's no way I can get drunk. If you're in a relationship and you're trying to not have sex before marriage, you might say, well, we're not going to spend time together, just the two of us alone in a house because that gives us the opportunity for temptation. Um, but when Eve said this, I don't think that's what she was doing uh, when she said, God said, don't touch it. To me, it doesn't appear that she was trying to set a barrier higher than what God had actually said. To me, it's, it, it seems like... Um, both those things together, her lack of precision and her adding to the word, they look like common symptoms um, of somebody who doesn't know God's word. So I don't know if you've ever experienced in life, you know, you're having a conversation with somebody and you try to apply a Bible passage or something and, and you say something in the conversation and then you go back and you read it and you're like, well, it, it, it didn't actually say that. <laughs> and... I think that's what I see from, from Eve here anyway, that there was a, a lack of, an apparent lack of knowledge of God's word. Um, and you know, um, not knowing God's word, um, it, it, it can, in this instance, it led to Eve, be, Eve being deceived. So, you know, she, she, was, she was a bit shaky. She thought, eh, God said this, he said that. She wasn't fully knowledgeable of what God said, perhaps it seems to me anyway. And that led the opportunity for her to be deceived. So, to be deceived. And so what we, we spoke about, we spoke about, you know, wanting to be people who God is speaking to us and we are acting out of what God's saying. You know, in her position, 
the, the, there's so many things that are bad. Like if, if you don't know God's word, there's absolutely no way you can live out what, what God is asking you to do. Um, but even worse than that, if you don't know God's word, you leave yourself with a, with a huge opportunity to get deceived. And then once you're deceived, you end up living out, instead of living out what God wanted to do, you end up living out of a deception, which is even worse, which is we see what, what Eve ended up doing here. Um, so she ended up, instead of, instead of becoming the action of God's words, we see Eve ended up becoming the action of the devil's word, which is the exact opposite of, of what we're trying to achieve here. And, and the devil knows that God does business with us by speaking. Um, so he also um, copies that and, and he tries to do business with us by speaking. So I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're trying to do something and you hear thought, words of doubt, you hear words condemning you, trying to put you down. And the same way God will try and speak to you in order to build you up, to cause you to do something, the enemy tries to copy him and speak words. And we see if, if, if we're in a position where we don't know God's word, it's very easy to get deceived and end up going down a wrong direction. So that's problem number one, not knowing God's word. Problem number two is just pure uh, disobedience. So knowing God's word, but not doing um, what it says. And we see this in Adam. So remember Paul said Adam was not deceived. Eve was deceived. So Adam knew God's word. And I, I can imagine him you know, looking at Eve and correcting her, saying, no, Eve, God didn't say that. He said this. Or, no, Eve, uh, the serpent lied to you. You should know better. He, 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 he said exactly the opposite to what God said. Um, so Adam knew the word. Um, but the problem is, even though Adam knew the word, he didn't live the word, <laughs> which, is the other pro- which is the other problem. So that there's over here a side where you, you're not knowing the word and you might end up being deceived and you end up doing something else. And there's the other position where you know the word but you're not living by it. And sometimes it might be a, like blatant as, as, as what Adam did. You know, he's just like, this is what God said. I'm going to do the exact opposite. But sometimes it's a little bit more subtle than that. You know... Um, for example, God might tell you to uh, speak to a rock so that water might flow out of it like he told Moses. And then you go and hit the rock um, with a stick instead. And you feel happy about yourself because you're like, okay, God, I interacted with the rock. I did what you said. But in actual fact, um, if you go back and read the story of Moses, it's quite an incredible story what um, that God really, really held him to, to, to that simple word of, because in the past, God told Moses to hit a rock. He struck a rock and water poured out. And the second time, he told him to speak to the rock and he decided to hit the rock again. And because of that, Moses was able to enter the promised land. And you, sometimes you look at it and you think, that's just such a small, small detail. But God's word is so powerful. And when God speaks, you know, he wants to achieve something specific. And we need to be those who, who don't do this partial obedience thing where we do, uh, God, you said this, I'll kind of half do this and I'll half do my own thing. But we need, to, uh, we need to really understand that when God has a purpose that he wants to do and he wants us to get involved in it, we just go at it fully and do exactly what it says and then see what, and see what he does. So, so if you don't know God's word, how can you get to know it? Um, in the survey, I asked, how often do you read the Bible, and when do you ask God to speak to you? Um, so doing these things daily um, will help. 
Um, I know we, we got a few people doing it. Well, we got about 25% daily, and about it was about 25% again, like at least a few times a day, so a few times a week. So it was good. But um, in Joshua 1, verse 8, we read... We God say, um, do not let the book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that it may, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will prosper and be successful. So it talks about reading God's word daily, and Jesus compares um, this to food when he says, you know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Um, that comes from God's mouth. And again, this implies um, a daily reading of the word of God, you know, a daily asking God, what are you saying to me so I can live it? And if you're struggling to read the Bible daily, like maybe something you can try is, I was just thinking of this this afternoon um, when I was preparing this, is um, just using Jesus' analogy of, of, of the word being food. You can try to, if you're struggling to be consistent in reading, um, you can try to maybe read God's word as you eat or read God's word just after you eat. So you've got, your, you've got um, this verse ringing in your mind, the food, food, the word of God, food, the word of God, food, the word of God, and your body will always remind you when you need to eat. <laughs> your body will always remind you when you're hungry. And if you keep this word in your head, word of God, food, word of God, food, you'll remember that every time you're hungry and you go to eat, there's an opportunity to sit down and read God's word. You can do it while you're eating, or you can do it after you're eating if you want to do that. You know, after, uh, you know, after breakfast, maybe you can read 10 minutes. After lunch, maybe do 10 minutes. And after dinner, maybe do an hour or something. Um, because what, what we see, the pattern that we're encouraged, like you read throughout the whole Bible, like even in the passage from Joshua, it says day and night, day and night. Sometimes, you know, like I, I'm, I'm particularly guilty of this. I, I have a habit of, of, of reading the Bible after I get home from work. And, and that's good, so I'm reading it. Um, but, but the pattern and the advice that we see throughout the Bible is this continual meditation of God, on God's word throughout the day. So we did a course called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and that was really good. There were some real challenging things, things in that about trying to get into God's word in the morning, in the afternoon while you're at work or uni, because sometimes we forget. I think that one was the most hardest part to try and step aside from what you're doing and try and get into God's word to, to get something and then do something in the evening. Because, um, you know, for our careers, for our jobs, um, we start off in, like, primary school to get a job, really. You know, you spend about 11 to 16-plus years in education through primary school, high school, maybe college, maybe uni, and you spend about six to eight hours a day learning and then when you get a job, you spend the first few months, few years learning to become competent in your trade. For all you students, it's not the end once you, once you graduate. <laughs> um, so it, it takes a lot of time. And we need to realize that when, when we're looking at God's word, you know, we, um, it will take a lot of devotion if we want to know the word of God. You know, reading it once a week, um, reading it once a month, um, will just not be enough, you know, if you compare it to how much time we spend in our education and trying to build ourselves up so we're knowledgeable in life. Um, doing, do, reading the Bible, you know, once a week, uh, once a month, it's, it's just not going to cut it. 
or reading like, you know, sometimes we have these, these apps that just throw out a Bible verse for the day and you read your one Bible verse and you're like, yep, tick, I've done that for the day. Again, that will not um, suffice if we're really trying to, to become people who know God's word and are built up in God's word. So uh, some things we can do, I know we've got some Bible plans around. Um, get, get, get a Bible plan if you're struggling, you know. There's some really good Bible plans which split the Old Testament and the New Testament and give you some guidance of how you can split both and go through both in a year and in however, however long. And if, if you keep in mind that thing of trying to read, trying to remember that every time you eat food, you need spiritual food, um, you can do that and spread it throughout the day, you know, morning, afternoon, and evening. Um, prioritize it. You know, plan your day around reading, reading the Word. You know, oftentimes we might plan our day around work. We might plan our day around a show we want to watch after work. But plan your day around reading your Word. You know, sometimes you, know, you can fall into the habit of, um, I'll read my Word at some point in the day after I do so, so, so. And then, you know, the day goes by and you just find yourself at the end of the day, it's nearly bedtime and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't have any time anymore. And then you, and then you push it on to the next day. So, a good habit would be to plan it into a day. Set, set aside an hour or, or a certain period of the day and say, this is where I'm going to do it. I'm going to touch the word. I'm going to read it. No matter what, this is not going to shift. You know, prioritize it. Um, when we read, meditate on it. Think deeply. You know, as we read it, don't just read quickly, skim over it, but take time to digest what it's saying, read over a passage over and over again, take it in, take notes. What I find really good is, you know, taking notes and then coming back a month later and reading it and comparing your notes to what you gained the second time and trying, if you forgot something, try to remind yourself of what you gained the first time or if you gained something more, add that to your notes and then you keep growing in your knowledge and keep building up. You know, and in, in addition to your, um, to your own personal reading, um, it would be good to devote yourself to being taught. And this can happen organically in friendship circles, you know, Instead of always talking about football and shopping or et cetera, et cetera, you know, like talking about Man City and Arsenal with Kalani, um, you know, take time to share what you've been reading with each other, you know, take time to build each other up, uh, exchange knowledge, you know, sometimes God might reveal something to you, you might reveal something different to somebody else, and take time in our friendships to talk to each other and really share, you know. And you can also do this in connect groups. Um, we, of, we often have Bible studies in our connect groups, and we ask um, the members of the connect group to bring a topic that they might have been reading um, during the week or, or something. And, you know, if it's something they've been struggling to understand, something they've been struggling to look at, you know, you get together in a big group setting and try and tackle it together uh, and see if you can, can really gain some depth and gain some understanding of what you're looking at. Um, and then one other thing, um, Shah announced um, the course we're starting in September. It's a month from now called Rooted. Um, that's a great opportunity, again, to get some real theological teaching. It's only like six Saturdays a week. Uh, no, six Saturdays a week. <laughs> it's only six Saturdays uh, a school term. It's not even, it's not even, is it once a month? One Saturday a month-ish. So um, it's a really good thing you can get into, and you'll get some real good teaching, and it will help root you in the Word of God if, you're, if the issue that you have is that you don't know God's Word. Um, but now, if, once, you, once you get to the stage that you do know God's word, how do you then go from knowing God's word to living God's word? Um, so since we know that God speaks action words, I think one, one way we should approach his word is when we come to, come to read the Bible, you know, we should come to the Bible and say, God, I'm setting aside time to read your word. 
and I expect to walk away with some actions. Um, you know, sometimes we can approach the Bible with a mindset of, oh God, I'm coming to spend time reading your word so that I can increase my knowledge. And this is a good thing because we need to be educated, you know. We need to know what God's word says. We need to understand it academically. But we need, but we should not just come for it, come to it for, for knowledge, academ academical knowledge, so, so that we just fill our heads with, uh, with, with God's word and we're like, yeah, I, I know everything. I can, I can quote this. I can say this. I can do that. You know, come to God's word with a, with a mindset that, God, I know you speak, and I know some of the words you speak require an action in order for you to fulfill what you want to do. So I'm ready, and I'm actively looking for actions that I can take away from this. Um, I just want to give us an analogy. Like, going back to the, um, the picture that God gave us of, of food and, and the word, um, Im imagine just eating and eating and eating and not doing any exercise. So you're, you're, feeding, you're feeding and you're not using the energy that you get from that food to do anything. So we, we shouldn't come to God's word just to be accumulators of knowledge. You know, yeah, it's great to know knowledge, to have knowledge, because you can teach people, you, know, you can correct people, you can tell them this is the right way to go, this is what you shouldn't be doing, this is what you shouldn't be doing. But the goal of reading the word is not just for us to accumulate knowledge so we can tell people to do Because like, I might advise somebody, um, this is the way you should go, and then they go and do it. And they go and live it. And then they will, they will become the action of the word I, I spoke to them. And God's purpose will be fulfilled in their life. But if you're not, in addition to teaching people, if you're not acting yourself, then, then the, where's the fruit in your life from the words that you're sharing and, and, uh, and teaching other people? Um, and then you end up just becoming like Adam, somebody who knew God's word but, but didn't do it. And we saw what the consequences were for him. Um, and so sometimes it's easier to walk away with an action, like for example, when you read things like um, go out into all the world and preach the gospel, you know, it's easy, yep, straight up action, there's, there's no misunderstanding that. Um, but sometimes it's, it's harder and you have to do a bit more digging. Um, you know, for example, in Connect a few weeks ago, um, we were reading the story of when Jacob wrestled with an angel, um, it's a clear sign that wrestling is biblical. Um, <laughs> And that, that kind of historical writing, which a lot of the Old Testament is, and half, probably like half of the New Testament is as well, that kind of historical writing, um, sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper. And what we found when we read, read the story, after we laughed a lot about him wrestling, um, we were able to at least walk away with the fact that, okay, we can see that he was somebody who was persevering in his relationship with God. And we walked away with an action like, okay, at least we can see that God is speaking to us here that, we should go and persevere uh, for our relationship with him. So I believe, uh, I believe any, any, any passage you read, really, there, there's always some kind of thing. You have to do sometimes a bit more digging in other places than you do in others. Like if you read Leviticus or something, you'll have to do a lot of digging. <laughs> but there's always something to walk away that you can put into practice. Um, so that's one thing. If we approach the word with, with a mindset of God, I want to I find an action. Um, that's a good thing. And another thing that I think we can do is, um, is look past the cost and focus on the value of what God wor God's word wants to achieve. You know, it's so easy to focus on the cost uh, and let that stop us from acting. So looking back at, uh, at Adam, the value was, was clear. Adam w would have maintained this relationship with God, this beautiful harmony of 
God speaking to him, them sharing fellowship and him living in obedience to God, pleasing God. So that was the value. Uh, the cost for Adam might have been, well, you know, Eve's going to be upset with me if I don't eat this fruit. You know, she might break up with me. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's easy for us as well to, to, to not focus on the value, but to focus on the cost. Um, Ah, yeah, so if, if you're at work, so I guess perhaps you, you, know, you want to share the gospel with a colleague and you're looking at the value like, wow, they might come to know Jesus. They'll enjoy this great relationship. Know their sins forgiven. Know that they're loved. Know that there's, there's, there's a God, there's a Father who loves them and who looks out for them and who want, just wants to share life and relationship with them. And there's the value over there, but sometimes we look at the cost so much and we're like, oh, what if they say I'm weird? Uh, what if they start gossiping about me to other colleagues and then I just get isolated, I end up an outcast in work? Um, so, so I think it's important that we, we always try and focus on, on the value of what we know God's word is trying to achieve and not focus so much on the cost. You know, as we were um, singing uh, one of the songs before, um, I, I was seeing a picture of, just, just reminded of Jesus on the cross. And, you know, I was thinking of stag do pictures of, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if anybody's been on stag do. You see these pictures of guys being hung to lampposts and stuff like that. If, <laughs> if you were, like, hung to a lamppost in the middle of Piccadilly, imagine how embarrassing that feels. Imagine what kind of cost there is there. But then imagine more so what kind of cost Jesus bore for us to be in this relationship with him, for us to know him. And that's nowhere near um, the cost that we face in any of these things that we that we, that we worry about. Um, and then one other thing um, I want to share. So, so there was one, um, looking at God's word, um, trying to take an action from it. Two, trying to focus on the value and not focus on the cost. I think the third thing we need to do is to bring God's word to the forefront of our mind. Um, and we do this by reminding ourselves um, daily um, of what we already know. So, you know, when we read the Bible sometimes, we read some writings by Paul and, and, and Peter, and, they, and they start in, the, in the start of their letter, they're like, I know you already know this. I'm writing this to remind you, to stimulate you to wholesome thinking so that you can, you know, do what you ought to do. And reading the Word daily is not only important uh, for the first question that we looked at when you're trying to gain knowledge of the Word. It's also important for you to live out the Word because, you know, um, if you know something but it's in the back of your mind, it won't affect how you live um, in your day. It won't affect your day-to-day -day actions. So Toella and I just moved house um, recently. We moved to a new neighborhood uh, in Openshaw. And we really want to reach our neighbors. Um, we really want to reach out for them. We want to see them saved. And we want to see God move in our street. Um, and it's easy to remember that when I'm home. I get home from work and I'm like, oh, yeah. I want my neighbors to get saved. Oh, but now it's time for dinner. And... Uh, then it's bedtime after that. Um, and if, if I don't keep God's, like I know, I know God's word, like I know I want to do that, but I keep, if I keep it at the back of the mind, it doesn't affect my day-to-day -day, like, day -day action. So it doesn't affect me when I'm at work. It doesn't affect me when I'm away. It only comes to my mind when I get back home. Um, and so what I've been doing personally um, is a verse that I've been keeping in my head is love your neighbor. And I've been taking it quite literally, like they're my neighbors, they live on my street, love my neighbor. And I've been keeping that ringing over and over again, over and over again in my head. 
And last Sunday when we were at the, the church in the park in, in Swinton, you know, I had that again over and over and over again in my head. So it wasn't a case of I just get home and I'm like, oh yeah, neighbors, I've got this ringing in my head um, because I've brought God's, God's word to the forefront of my mind by reading it daily and meditating on it daily and continuously telling myself that verse, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. So when we're at the park, you know, I had this in my mind and we said, okay, let's, usually we, me and Toella, like if you've seen us, we stay to the end of everything basically. Um, but we left, we left a bit early with the, with the hope of going to, you know, spend some time with, with some of our neighbors who we've not met. Um, so we came home, we knocked on the door, and it was proper awkward because we've never met these people in our lives. <laughs> and you're like, knock, knock. Hello, uh, we live over there. Hello. <laughs> and they, they invited us in. And, and we were able to chat. We stayed there for an hour or so. We chatted. We found out that the lady has a friend who comes to King's and she's invited her here once before and she's come and she knows the church. Um, they don't have anywhere where they're going at the moment. Um, but that just started off an opportunity. So it, it, it's given us opportunity to build on something. And the reason why we got to that place is because we brought God's word to the forefront. You know, it, it's, it's well and good enough to know God's word and know, know what it says and you can, you know, talk and, and say that. But if you don't bring it to the forefront of your mind, it won't affect your actions. Um, so you might be struggling, I don't, I don't know, with a certain sin. Um, what I'd encourage you to do is, you know, find a verse that, that can help you with that. And, and don't just keep it in the back of your mind. Bring it to the forefront of your mind. You know, wake up in the morning. If you want to reach your colleagues in work, um, wake up in the morning and read a verse. Read a verse at lunchtime. And, just, and, and what that does, it just brings things to the front of your mind and it, and it keeps you active. So you're actively looking for opportunities because you've brought God's word to the front instead of keeping it at the back. So I just wanted to close with um, a verse, uh, a chapter, if we could read it together. So this is a psalm. I don't know if it was written by David, but I just came across this when I was preparing for this, and, and it, it's, uh, it really spoke to me because it's a, it's a psalm of somebody who really values God's word, and you can see it in the writing that he really valued God's word, and he really wanted to live according to God's word. So if we just finish by reading this together... That would be great. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you. Lord, teach me your decrees. My lips, I recount all the laws that came from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Amen.